Hello, my name is Samuel George London and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode, I speak to comic book creators Scarlett and Sophie Rickard about what comics they would take into a zombie outbreak apocalypse. But before we get into it, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Comic Scene, where you can read comic news and become part of a community of fellow comic lovers. To find out more, be sure to visit comicscene.org. On a side note, if you enjoy the show today, please leave a review for us on iTunes, Spotify, or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will they know that you liked it, but believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Scarlett and Sophie Rickard. How's it going? Hello. Hi. Thanks. <laughs> excellent, excellent. How's the weather where you are? Oh, absolutely horrible. Yeah, it's yeah. really bad here as well. Yeah, it's atrocious. I'm I'm sitting by the fire with a blanket. Oh, lovely. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty grim in my neck of the woods as well. Um, it was nice this morning, and then it's all of a sudden turned into torrential downpour. Yeah. It's a good day to be indoors talking about comics. Exactly. Really nice. Nice segue. Um, and, and on that note, um, what do you both do in the world of comics? Ooh. Shall I go first, Scarlett? Yeah. <laughs> So I'm Sophie, I am the writing half of the Rickard sisters and Scarlett is the drawing half. So essentially, I tell Scarlett what to draw. Yeah, and I do what Sophie tells me. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Um, And uh, before we get into your your most recent works, uh, where can people find you online? You can find us through our website, which is rickardsisters.com. And we're um, on all kinds of social media platforms at Rickard Sisters. Um, Yeah, and Mastodon as well now with everyone else, which is Rickard Sisters at toot.community. But there's links to all of those from our website as well. Yeah. Excellent. And uh, of course, those links are all in the show notes, folks. So feel free to go through and uh, and follow Sophie and Scarlett um, on your preferred social media site um, and check out their website for, for, for all of their works. But your most recent work is this fantastic and I've I, I've gone through it and it's absolutely brilliant called No Surrender. Um, so tell us a little bit more about that so no surrender is a the original is a novel that was written in about 1910 1911 by a suffragette who was part of the And it's a made up story, but it is made up from a whole lot of things that she was actually there for and things that really happened. Um, And we have adapted that into a graphic novel format. We, a couple of years ago, adapted The Ragged Trousered Philanthropists, which was a book written in a similar era by a painter and decorator about what it's like to be working class. And so this sort of become what we do now is adapting books from the turn of the century that could do with a bigger audience and uh, could do with cheering up a bit for modern audiences maybe 
but also they're, they're books that were written by people who were there and experienced things. So they're, they're books that have got authenticity to them. Yes, and tend to have a political message of one sort or another. That tend to be quite relevant to now, even if it's 100 years ago. Yes. So with No Surrender in particular, there's a lot of um, uh, the pros and cons of direct action, the ethics of protest, how you get your voice heard if everybody's ignoring you, which feels very relevant for modern conversations about the climate crisis and race relations and all kinds of things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, it's it's been published by Self Made Hero, who our listeners will will be very familiar with. We've had many Self Made Hero creators on the show before. Um, and um, where's where is the best place to get it from? Um, all good bookshops, particularly independent bookshops, who pay the booksellers well to know about books. But if you also wanted to buy it online, it's available in all of those shops as well. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, And it it literally just came out on the 10th of November. So like it's just been out a couple of weeks. Um, What's what's been the reaction like? Uh, We've had a fabulous response. We've been very fortunate to be um, graphic novel of the month in The Observer um and we've had a couple of reviews but yeah people seem to be very happy with it people who loved the ragged trouser philanthropists seem to love this one just as much and there's also perhaps a new audience of people who are interested in this subject matter that might not have picked up graphic novels before we mm. um Stephen at page 45 once described our work as a gateway drug to comics and that's something we're quite proud of like bringing particularly older audiences to comics just as much as we're bringing younger audiences to old books fantastic and uh yeah no um that's that's very apt and I kind of was thinking that um that it's the it's the type of thing that it somebody that hasn't you know got into comics or graphic novels before would actually pick up in in waterstones or something like that and and then as you say it's a it's a gateway <laughs> into, into everything else that you've done and all of the other creators out there as well so well done it's important to us that the things the books we make are accessible and fun and so they are uh, sort of style of comic making is not challenging or difficult um so i think it is they are they do tend to be books that people who are not used to reading comics in that kind of format can manage without too much um culture shock <laughs> excellent very well done uh now all of that aside and it's totally sod's law but just as you've come out with this book unfortunately there's been a zombie outbreak it's just you know it's just one of those things well to be honest our last book came out in the middle of a global pandemic so we're used to this kind of stuff this is just the evolution right um (laughs) but uh so my my first question for both of you is uh what is your action plan for survival in this new zombie uh outbreak apocalypse oh hot water and a blanket (laughs) you know stay warm keep indoors make sure the kettle's on yeah (laughs) so um this is a subject that has been discussed over the dinner table in my house quite a lot over the years and so 
I have thought about this. I've had time. You're far more prepared than I am. Yeah, having had teenagers who are, you know, have quite elaborate plans for the inevitable zombie apocalypse, I have had chance to think about this. And I have to say that because I am a pacifist, I'm not going to be splatting any zombies. Um, I feel that although they are zombies and they are dangerous, they're also still people. So I'm going to have to hide much like Scarlet. The other thing is that as a pacifist, I have to be conscious that because zombies, because the way a zombie outbreak works, that once you become infected, you are kind of a weapon yourself, aren't you? So I have to take steps to try not to get bitten as well. So yeah, barricading indoors. Uh, Scarlet and I are particularly good at staying in. We've been doing it since COVID. And so we will last quite a while, I think. As long as they don't get in the house. Yeah. (laughs) As long as I can still have my shopping delivered, that's the main thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that that might become a a bit of a logistical nightmare. Um, But um, would you you try to seek each other out or how how would that work? Oh, well, we're about 200 miles apart, so it would take some seeking. Yeah. If there's anything we've learned from The Walking Dead, it's, it's not to go wandering yeah yeah i think that once the internet goes down we'd just have to cope wouldn't we yeah we would we just have to write and draw our own books that is a scary thought (laughs) it is isn't it yeah (laughs) (laughs) and uh well i mean what's amazing in this in this new world where zombies exist is is that you know i mean you obviously as sisters you'll you'll have a you know a, a sibling connection there of course um and so one evening something absolutely fantastical happens and you actually create this telepathic um uh, connection between the two of you and you end up being able to talk between each other telepathically 200 miles apart um what, kind and... of like now yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 is, is that literally that's kind that's of what it's like right now is it yeah this is how we're doing it <laughs> uh, yeah that's how you create comics that's brilliant <laughs> no what, no i mean i mean that this moment we're, we're telepathically communicating with you exactly, uh, exactly. <laughs> absolutely that's all right um and so uh one evening um whilst you know you've got a small fire on um you know drinking drinking some hot chocolate or something um you this telepathic connection is happening between the two of you and you start thinking about the good old days when you were creating comics and things and reading comics and the first question that you ask each other telepathically is uh, what's the first comic you remember enjoying mm. um the first comic i remember enjoying i mean the first time i was really aware that this was a this was a thing um was we used to stay at our grandma's house in a little village in yorkshire and there wasn't a lot to do but you know, like playing out or reading um and she had um father christmas by raymond briggs and I was always a big drawer anyway. I used to draw stories that were in my head and I, and seeing Father Christmas for the first time made me realise that you could tell stories like that that actually other people wanted to see and that aren't just in your own head. 
Um, and I just loved the world that you know that he had. It was all so every day. It was it was recognisably his house and his life. And the um, magic of seeing behind the scenes of Father Christmas, not uh, in his private life. Yeah. You know, it was really naughty as well, wasn't it? Because it was a bit sweary, and also yeah, he said he said blooming reindeer, and it made me go. <laughs> and I think it shows him on the loo at one point as well. That's right, it does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just it, just the whole idea that you could make a world like that a, a believable world. It was so exciting to me. That's mm. fantastic. Um, and then and then, um, what about yourself? Um, I don't, are we allowed children's books? I mean, yeah, sure. Like it's kind of it's sequential art. So it is sequential good. art, exactly. So Scarlett and I are both big Janet and Alan Alberg fans, and I have a particular real soft spot for Burglar Bill, which is really, <laughs> it, yeah, it's it's the Dostoevsky for Key Stage One. It's got a really strong moral arc. It's got some fabulous characters. And um, the way, there's something about the way the Albergs show the story in the pictures um, that I think we both really admire. So there's always more that you can just read the words if you want, but if you take the time and look at the pictures, there's always more going on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a big thing for us. We love that kind of thing. Yes. That's fantastic. Um and so obviously that's kind of like the the origins of your um of your comic reading uh, adventures but also obviously your your comic creating adventures. So when did all of that really start? Were were you uh, both avid storytellers and artists um as you were young or did it develop later? So as children we pretty much squabbled non-stop but <laughs> we weren't squabbling Scarlett was drawing and it would she would t- say tell me what to draw when we were kids and I, I used to get into trouble for breathing over her shoulder while she was drawing and then yeah, I, I always wanted her to tell me what to draw because the world's just so big there's too much to choose from and I just couldn't whittle it down and Sophie's really good at stories and having ideas in her head and I, I just love drawing so it was a very it was an easy uh, collaboration really but then in our 20s and early 30s we really went off in different directions and didn't spend time together much at all and then in our mid to late 30s we got kind of got back together Scarlett needed something to draw so I just made up a story for her to draw and that became our first collaboration which was man's best friend which is a story about a man who really, really doesn't like his own dog. <laughs> it's got a bit of bank fraud thrown in and stuff as well. Yeah, yes, very dramatic. Yeah, bank robbery. Excellent. So a bit, a bit of burglar bill coming back in there. Oh yeah, it must be where it came from. Yeah, <laughs> there's always room for a redemption arc, isn't there? <laughs> Absolutely, that's fantastic. Um, brilliant, and that obviously leads us up to uh to today where where you've uh collaborated further um in in the future do you do you have any other projects um oh, that, you, that you're working on together or yeah always we, we've got we've always got at least three ideas <laughs> i think <laughs> the next awesome. seven years work pretty much planned yeah wow 
excellent yeah. look at that seven year plan um <laughs> i'm envious that's that's impressive exactly fantastic uh, now going back to your telepathic conversation in the zombie apocalypse um the next question that crops up in both of your minds is what's the funniest comic that you've read i think we both agree on this one Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, we really love the work of Stephen Collins. Um, his strips are so funny. And there's one particular one about um, going to the barbers, which just has become kind of law in our family. Yes. It, it, and it shows a, an ordinary bloke going for a haircut and trying not to be awkward in the barbers. And then this other man comes in, he sort of bursts in and he's a really particular kind of man. And everybody says, oi, oi, Barry, don't they? And they say, no salad. Yeah, as well as some in-joke. Yeah, it's just, it's really good. It's, it, I'm really murdering it because you've got to see the pictures really to make it make sense. But it makes us laugh because my husband is like the person who walks into the barbers without an appointment and everybody starts saying random things to him (laughs) (laughs) but there was another Stephen Collins one um uh the day of the census that was like a a retelling of Jekyll and Hyde that was really funny but I think what it's got in common with the two things that we've already cited is it's the observation close observation of the everyday yeah mixing in the absurd with the everyday is one of my favorite things Yes, so it, it's sort of very realist, kitchen sinky almost, but yeah. with um absurd sense of humour. There's no sort of superheroes or dragons or anything in these choices, I've realised. Which... No, there is a dragon. Stephen Collins did that one about uh, George and the dragon. Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some really, there's some brilliant ones. You should check out his Instagram. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, and they're really easy to uh, look at and share on his Instagram as well. They're good. Oh, fantastic. Um, Now, changing gears quite um, rapidly, uh, you both asked, what's the saddest comic that you've read? Mm. We really do quite like putting sad bits in ours. It's I work quite hard to um, upset my readers if I possibly can. So this is a high bar for us, but... Um, I think it, the answer was sort of obvious to us, I think. Yeah. And that's Raymond Briggs' Where the Wind Blows. Yeah. Uh, it's just the the whole, again, it's the it's the everydayness, but there's such a, mm. um, a sort of, oh, what's the word? Um, there's pathos in the yeah, way that yeah. they blindly follow the instructions, and they they have the the couple have so much trust in authority, and you can see that it's not going to help them. And it's so it's so cleverly told because you can tell that Briggs is really really furious with the government and furious mm. with the whole idea, but he's telling it through people who are are just innocent and doing what they're told. And and trusting, yeah. It's just, it's so well done. Yeah. It's a much more effective way of getting the message over than being angry all over everybody. Yes, mm. absolutely, yeah. Yeah, because you really identify with the characters and, and yeah, it's yeah. just very, um, yeah, it's very sad. Yeah, and and for, for, for any listener that, that doesn't kind of know the basic story, it's it's basically, it's a, it's a senior couple, isn't it? And they're in their house with whilst a, a nuclear 
um, war is raging. Yeah, and they've got a leaflet through the door about what to do against nuclear bombs. And it's just stuff like, it's actually based on the Protect and Survive leaflet that I think was put through the door Mm. in the 80s, was it? Yeah. Um, And uh, so, you know, it shows them, you know, making a den on the landing with with a mattress. You know, as though that's really going to help. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's just something to do, I guess. I yeah, guess. but it's what, it's what the government told you to do. Yeah. And that's why I think that's what Raymond Briggs was so angry about. You know, it's yes. just... Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> totally. Um, and what what's really interesting... So this this book has come up a couple of times on the podcast on people's choices. Um, and it's it's very well deserved. But one... Somebody... Um, told me a story that um a, a primary school teacher got it for the, her class <laughs> and it's because <laughs> it's raymond briggs of course he's a who's generally a children's illustrator and storyteller for those that don't know um but yeah obviously <laughs> when it arrived <laughs> I, I didn't realize it was such a uh such a serious subject <laughs> yeah and i think that's one of the things i really admire about it is that he pushed yeah. out of his um box to do something like that but also that story is such a good example of the way that comics are regarded in Britain that they Mm. tend to be assumed to be for children and so we get that sometimes is that people think that our adaptations are children's versions a bit like a children's illustrated bible is a version of the bible but although there's nothing in the books that are like unsuitable um it's not like what children are going to want to read about usually. So it's a very difficult, tricky conversation that you end up with having people that are not familiar with comics and you end up going down difficult dead ends about what you mean by graphic and what you mean by adult. And it's definitely. (laughs) Yes, I've definitely had some awkward conversations about the fact we make graphic novels. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, what type of graphic? How graphic is yeah, it? Yeah. <laughs> what, like, what, shades of grey. Yeah, exactly. Like. Exactly. <laughs> classic. Classic. Brilliant. Uh, now, uh, changing gears once again, um, your conversation moves on to what's the scariest comic that you've read? Mm. This, we, neither of us really do horror. I mean, Scarlett mentioned The Walking Dead earlier, but it's the men in our lives are fans of that more than ourselves. Yeah, it's always on in the background while I'm drawing suffragettes. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, there you go. Well, thankfully, it's it's just finished, although there'll be new series down the road. Oh, there's always... There's going to be coming back like a bloody zombie. (laughs) But I think our scariest books would be probably both... Uh, the Man Who Laughs and Lip Hook, which are by uh, David Hine, the writer, and Mark Stafford is the illustrator. And we were introduced to them via Self Made Hero. So David Hine is the editor of our books and he adapted The Man Who Laughs, which is a Victor Hugo novel. So as in Victor Hugo, who wrote Les Miserables, is a really, really good writer. And he wrote The Man Who Laughs. And I think, I'm pretty sure, that this is the origin story for The Joker. Oh, yeah. Mm, Right. I think, so The Man Who Laughs is a really horrible story about a man who who gets, like, facially disfigured. He's cut. And that's why the mouth, his smile is so big. And it actually frightens everybody he looks at. 
And I think that's what the Joker in Batman is based on. But I'm sure your listeners know a lot more about that than I do. But what makes these two books the scariest books is that uh, Mark Stafford's style of horror is so horrible. <laughs> yeah, his, his drawings are brilliant. They're really sort of twisted and, and contracted. They're great. Yeah, he's the real master of making something super creepy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very much so. <laughs> Excellent. And and uh, how about Lip Hook? What's what's the what's the premise behind Lip Hook? Lip Hook is a story about a town in the middle of nowhere, a little bit sort of like stumbling across Royston Vasey, but actually scarier <laughs> and weirder. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's really, really peculiar. <laughs> yeah, and that's an original one. That was written by David Hine. Yeah. Yeah. As well, fantastic. Yeah, no, I mean, just looking at, looking at the art, it does. I mean, the the front cover of Lip Hook, by the way, folks, definitely go check that out. It's very disturbing. Um, yeah, <laughs> for the whole genre because it's yeah. a disturbing story with disturbing art. Yeah, very much so. So, yeah, if you want to if you want to scare yourself at this time of year, definitely go check out those those books. I wouldn't advise it if you're in the middle of a zombie apocalypse. To be honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> definitely just gonna be putting more wood on the fire um but uh yeah no fantastic uh now um moving on to my favorite question and that is what is your favorite cover oh this was a really difficult one to to choose yeah. but we both agreed on the same one uh which was hostage by guy uh, de lille uh, we really like his work generally i'm i'm a big fan of his stuff especially his travel stuff because uh, again, he's really good at observing the absurd in the everyday, which is brilliant. Uh, but Hostage is a fantastic book about a man who's kept hostage, and it's it's based on a true story. I can't remember the man's name now, but there was um, somebody who was held hostage, and and Guy interviewed him and talked to him about his experience and made this book of it. I mean, the pure genius of hundreds and hundreds of pages of a man chained to a radiator yeah self is remarkable but the cover is a really one of the things that makes a great cover is that it makes you want to pick the book up in the first place but also mm. that it properly reflects what's inside mm. i i get annoyed when a, a book looks like it's going to be one thing and then when you open it it's something a bit different mm-hmm. yeah yeah. It's, it's got that balance of it the of Guy's really beautiful simple art style and this sort of ominous nature of the story. It's mm-hmm. all there on the on the cover. And of course it's a, a good topical um book to have uh with our survival strategy of chaining <laughs> ourselves to our own radiators. Yes, it is actually <laughs> useful. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And yeah, um, folks, definitely go check out this cover. So if you just search Hostage uh, Guy Delisle or just Hostage Comic, it should should come up. Um, but basically, like what's what's really, as you say, kind of impactful and kind of like encapsulates everything. So you've got the the guy that it's about, whose who's name I believe is Christophe Andre. That's it, um, yeah. And he was a part of the Doctors Without Borders and got uh, kidnapped. Um, but yeah, it's him lying on the bed, chained to the radiator. There's a tray of food on the floor, and there's a there's a shadow of somebody standing in the doorway of his mm. jail cell, I guess. And it's so 
like you want to read it yeah 100%. it captures you not only is he captured but it captures you as a reader yeah. i guess incredible it's it's really cleverly done and it's a real it's a real sort of masterclass in pacing that book because Mm. i actually saw him talking about it um at uh, the lakes international comic art festival and he was saying about how he wanted the reader to feel like they were in the room as well and so there were pages and pages where he's just lying on this bed chained to a radiator and so you feel the time yeah, it, it, you still feel very tense, though. It, it's oh, not totally, boring. yeah. It's not boring. Mm. Yeah, it's very, very tense. It's really well done. Mm. Fantastic. Uh, now, uh, moving on uh, to another of my favourite questions, and that is, what comic do you repeatedly read the most? Mm. I, we've had, not had an awful lot of time in the, in the last few years for, for reading things. <laughs> Um, but when we were teenagers, we were obsessed with um, Posey Simmons, uh, the uh, strip she did for The Guardian, because our um, stepmother had um, books of hers, you know, like a compendium of, of mm. Posey Simmons um, uh, strips. And we, you know, we were kids and we hadn't really come across her before. Um, but I remember just going over and over and reading them over and over again because it's similar it's a familiar theme brilliant observation of the everyday and um just really great details about people's lives and what makes them them you know that's something that's always fascinated me what the things that people surround themselves with really closely observed little clues into the british class system and oh yeah what what people's uh body language or choices of clothes say about them and how much it can say Mm. very sharp observations but our parents used to cut them out of the paper as well and so you know Mm. it was something we we sort of grew up with Posey Simmons style of observation around us Mm. and they're very funny yeah really brilliantly done fantastic and then those are the sorts of things that you can just go dip in and out of really easily aren't they so um that's that's fantastic uh now uh what's the most meaningful comic to you this was a tricky one and we talked about a few different ones and we decided that the book that was meaningful to us is we've chosen it for several reasons one is that it's a very very evocative of an era and a place but also it's a really um meaningful uh presentation of what it's like to grow up female and that book is becoming unbecoming by una and the, it's a kind of a memoir i think um so it's the story of una growing up in yorkshire in the 70s at the time of the yorkshire ripper and so her story of her childhood um and her sort of becoming a conscious adult is sort of completely um, uh, um, bordered by everybody constantly talking about this uh, um, awful sex offender that was on the loose everywhere around them. And people were talking about sexual violence all the way through her childhood and the way that the authorities responded to it. It's a very, very powerful and interesting um interpretation of like I say a place but also an era 
That's incredible. And um, so this was kind of published like 2015, I think. But when when did you come across it? Then when it came out, we would have probably bought it at the Lakes International Comic Art Festival. Yeah, I think we did. Myself, yeah. Um, And she's recently done another one called Eve, which is also excellent. But very definitely worth looking at. Some really interesting um explorations about um what it's like to be a woman and to grow up female yeah fantastic really interesting um now um switching gears a little bit what's the most underrated (laughs) going back to this idea that um children's picture books are sequential art (laughs) absolutely um we've picked a really obscure one um, which I'm not sure is even still in print in Britain. It might be. Um, it's called Old MacDonald Had Some Flats by Judith and Ron Barrett. <laughs> and it's just, I've, I've actually dug it out yesterday so I could read it again because it's so brilliant. And it just reminded me how great it is. Um, it's a, I think it was, it's American, the original. So it was originally mm-hmm. called Old MacDonald Had an Apartment Building, which I don't think is as good. Um <laughs> And uh, it's about old MacDonald and his wife who live in this apartment building in America, in New York, I think. And he's the caretaker. And so he's meant to look after all the flats. But the tenants are just annoying and they, you know, make him do things all the time and complain about stuff. So as they move out, he plants vegetables in the flats instead and, and replaces them with a farm. And so he ends up with, you know, like an eight story farm with cows and chickens and and <laughs> carrots that are coming through the through the ceilings. And and the, the uh, other tenants are complaining because, you know, they've got hot and cold running vines and things. Um, and it's just it's great. It's really well done. The drawings are fantastic. It's really got, again, a sense of time and place. It was written in 1969 um and the drawings have got real detail about about these people's everyday lives all their furniture and their, you know the things they surround themselves with that makes them them um and the uh, the man who owns the flats fat mr rental is really angry about this farm but then realizes as every good capitalist does that he can make a killing from having a farm shop so he, he opens a shop outside the building. <laughs> I have to say that, that this was always one of Scarlett's favourite books, but I always found it a bit, as a small child, actually quite frightening because I was so worried about MacDonald and his wife getting into trouble all the time. They're just anarchists. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it's really anarchistic, but it's it's just it's just so... It's well-written, it's funny, um, and it's really well-drawn, and the way... As as uh, the tenants move out and the vegetables move in, it gets more colourful. That the vegetables, that the plants are all coloured in. It's got a very stylish use of colour, so most of it's black and white. But as fun stuff happens, it gets more colourful. Yeah. But it's subtle. It's not like the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It is. It's brilliant. It's really well written. Oh, that's yeah. brilliant! Brilliant. <laughs> so yeah, I'll, I'll definitely try to try to get a copy of that. Um, somehow, <laughs> yeah, somehow it's only it's only a thin little book, but it's yeah, so. it's just so well done. Somebody should reprint it if it's not in print because yes. it deserves it. 
brilliant. Uh, now, uh, moving on to our last uh, question in regard to comics. If you could only take one comic into the apocalypse, which would it be? So, before we to say which one, I think we need to recognise that um, although maybe there's an argument for The Walking Dead being useful for tips of what not to do in a zombie apocalypse. Yeah. We weren't convinced that a comic was going to help us much either way. So this is we've chosen this comic to to keep us busy by our fire while we're locked in. Yeah. Excellent. Um yeah, and we also need to um appeal to your better your better side that uh, because there are two of us, we thought we might get away with sneaking in three books it's like one and a half each it's a trilogy it's, it's a trilogy it's connected there's probably a slip case that you can connect yeah, all exactly. three of them you so, know yeah so it'd be all right wouldn't it mean public volume but they probably should be it would be great yeah um, and the trilogy is rob davis's motherless oven trilogy so the first book is called the motherless oven the second is the can opener's daughter and the third is the Book of Forks, and they are really, really clever, um, stylish, uh, dramatic, exciting um, comics that are full-length stories, each individually, but they also fit together as a three. They are about teenagers, and I think probably for teenagers, ideally, but it's such a surreal world that he builds. It's incredible. They're so creatively done. I mean, it, the ideas, it, he's, he's, he builds a world which is very similar to our world, but it rains knives and, and your mm. parents are machines. You know, it's, it's, diff- it's really difficult to describe. In fact, it's, it's not a great thing to try and describe on the podcast. <laughs> you have to go and buy it and read it. It's brilliant, yeah. really brilliant. It's, it's really big philosophical questions that are absolutely perfect for teenagers to spend time thinking about for example what would it be like to know when you were going to die what would it be like if your parents were kind of relics that you feel responsible for taking care of which I think is something teenagers can relate to (laughs) you know there's a lot going on apart from the absolutely beautiful uh every page is stylish and unexpected yeah it's just fantastic and there's so much to look at it's something that'll that'll do us well when we're under our blankets yeah because it raises more questions than it answers and especially as the trilogy goes on it it you know we're, we're talking about the meaning of life and religion and everything here it's you know it's it'll keep us quiet mm, very much so fantastic and yes more than happy to provide that for you um and then along with that uh what weapon tool or useful item would you like to both take with you into the into the apocalypse as well so people that know us know that there's there are we're not actually very alike we work together but we're actually sort of chalk and cheese so one way of describing the differences between us is that i do everything on lined paper and scarlet does everything on blank paper yeah Another way of describing the differences between us is that I tend to go dark and Scarlet goes cheerful. So no matter how awful the story I write, she will always cheer it up a bit in the art, which is good. And I think it's done us done us good over the years. So our response to this question does also kind of reflect that. 
So we, we didn't discuss this beforehand, but we do know what each other's going to say. So because we we really we decided we were going to tell each other, and it was just so typical of us. <laughs> As I said at the beginning, I'm a pacifist. I'm not going to be splatting any zombies, and I also feel this real responsibility that I must not become a danger to others. So I'm afraid that the weapon I'll be taking with me to be used as a matter of last resort is your, your classic wartime cyanide pill, please. Oh, so dark. Sorry. So that dark. is pretty dark, but happy to provide you what you want. <laughs> you know. um, whereas I, I think I'm just going to bring a pen so I can draw us a happy ending. Wonderful. That's so typical of you, Scarlett. <laughs> Excellent. Get the happy ending in there. Yeah. Um, that is fantastic. Well, uh, Scarlett and Sophie Rickard, thank you both so much for sharing your comics for the apocalypse. It's been a real pleasure. Well, thank you very much for having us. It's been great. Fantastic. Um, and for the listeners, one more time, where can they find you online? You can find us at ricardsisters.com, which is R-I-C-K-A-R-D, sisters. Yeah. And uh, at Rickard Sisters on all your social medias. Excellent. Excellent. And again, those links from the show notes, folks. So so go check out the websites and, and, and social media profiles. Um, but... Uh, Basically, for the rest of the year, I don't think that there are any more comics events coming up. Um, but uh, do you have any comic events uh, organised for next year at all? Um, nothing public. No, we've got a couple of talks and things coming up, but I don't think there's any comicsy things in the diary yet. But the usual autumn season, I'm sure, will be around. But of course, we won't have just got a book out then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, no problem. So you um, do you do you go to you go to the lakes? Yes, the lakes. it's the lakes is our very very favourite. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, it this year because of the timing. Um, we went to Edinburgh Radical Book Fair with No Surrender, so not a comics event but a Radical Books event. So we're sort of crossing over two worlds a little bit. So I'm not sure what the plan is for next year. Yeah, because that was the same weekend as Thought Bubble, so we didn't do Thought Bubble this year. Make a choice. Mm. Yeah. There you go. Fantastic. <laughs> and well, it's good to like cross do cross events, I guess. Like trying mm. to like open up the the network of people that that read comics and, and graphic mm. novels and everything. So so well done for for, for doing something uh, bold like that. How did oh, it go? Oh, it was great. It was really nice. And Edinburgh is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Any yeah, excuse to go and explore Edinburgh. It's brilliant. <laughs> you bet. Fantastic. Well, thank you both so much again um, for, for sharing your comments with the apocalypse. And uh, yeah, um, if, if, if you come out with another uh, project, you're, you're always welcome back and we can catch up with you to see how you've been getting on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely well thanks again and uh speak to you both soon thank Thank you very much bye bye for now thanks again to scarlett and sophie for being on comics for the apocalypse today it was an absolute pleasure if you enjoyed the show please leave a review for us on itunes or spotify or whichever podcast service you use as not only will let me know that you liked it but believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well 
If you'd like to check out Scala and Sophie's work or follow them on social media, those links are in the show notes along with all our own links to the various areas of the internet. Speaking of which, if you haven't already, be sure to visit Comic Scene's website at comicscene.org for comic news and other fun sequential art stuff. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the near future, I'll see you next time. Bye for now.